This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns of Odin. Now, Horns of Odin is a husband and wife ran business based in the heart of Viking England, Yorkshire. As the name suggests, we specialise in handcrafted bespoke drinking horns, which are sanded, polished and carved in our very own workshop. We also have an extensive clothing range, predominantly made from organic sustainable fibres. Along with that, we have a vast range of jewellery, made by our very own local jeweller. To check out everything we do and our full range of products, please head over to www.hornsofodin.com or just follow us at Horns of Odin on Instagram. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of the company Hans Vodin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and today we've got our first ever reoccurring guest, and that is Jonas Lorentzen. Um, you may remember him from the episode um, about Nordic food. And today we're going to look at his music side of things. And he's, by the way, also the reason that I have changed my intro. He was the one that said that I sounded like Lars Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Lars Ulrich from Metallica. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, you're going to give him a complex. No, no, no. no that's very, that's very cruel. That's very cruel. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, great to be back. Uh, that was that was a blast the last time. That was amazing. And um, yeah, let's hope this one is gonna be as exciting. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> yeah, I think it will be. Like you say, you are the first guest to to reappear. Um, if very it ever honored. comes up in a, if it ever makes it to a, a popular quiz or anything like that, who was the first ever guest to reappear on there? Uh, the Nordic Mythology podcast. That would be you. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, that's all. That's awesome. That's a fantastic honor. It's uh, an definitely. Yeah, it's a milestone. So how are, how I mean, are things for you? How how is life at the minute? Well, life is uh, quite quite crazy actually. I mean, I think we t- we touched upon it a little bit um, at the, in the last podcast. Uh, the fact that you know the matter, which is you know our bread and butter, uh, <laughs> basically kind of went belly up with this whole thing because, you know, we, we, we live off events and, uh, and and those sort of things. So that really wasn't anything that could be could be happening anymore. And uh, so we were looking for all kinds of different opportunities. We, we've been wanting to move, if not move physically to Norway, then move a lot of, uh, of our activities to Norway. And um, and we're going to be talking about the music as well. And, and the, the record label that I've just signed with recently is uh, based in Bergen as well, so a lot of things were just sort of pulling in that, pulling in that direction, and um, we were looking at all kinds of different things about how to, uh, how to basically get through this crisis, and um, and then this amazing opportunity came up in Norway, and um, it seems like uh, that's going to go through, and we're going to actually move to Norway, which is uh, incredible. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Are you? I mean, are you able to give any details on it, or is it all? A little hush hush under the under the radar at the minute. I mean, I, I guess at the time that this podcast is going to be released, it'll probably be already official and so on. So I think we can just talk about it. I mean, it's a it's a cultural um, destination space uh, just south of Oslo, um, which isn't open yet. So they basically wanted someone to come and 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 basically help them set up their their food 
concept and everything. And uh, they are working on the same parameters that Matter has been working with for, for years now. So uh, I, it looked like a match made in heaven, really. It's a beautiful hotel. Um, well, actually, uh, one of the houses that are part of the hotel is uh, Edvard Munch's uh, old house. So the guy who made the screen, you know, the... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 So what, what, is the, what is the place called? It's called the Ramme Fjord Hotel. Okay, cool. Uh, Ram Ram a Fjord Hotel. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, it has its own farm connected to the to the restaurants. Uh, I'll be able to go and develop things with the farmer. Has uh, rare breeds of pigs, rare breeds of cows. Uh, lots of foraging uh, areas around. Fjord is right there, so the fish will be coming straight from the fjord and. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know too much about it yet because we we're just in the negotiations right now about uh, so on and so forth. But uh, it's looking it's looking really nice. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like the Viking version of the land of milk and honey, right there. <laughs> it, it, it totally is. It totally is. It's uh, <laughs> it's very very lush and beautiful. But I mean, uh, I don't know too much about it yet. Of course, I have to go there. But from what it looks like, it it, it seems uh, quite promising. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's, it's good to see some some positives coming from everything that's been going on. Obviously, it must have been a, a huge worry before this this landed on your you know before this happened. It's you know you just you effectively were looking at your your business being affected so drastically by it. So it's nice to see that that. That coming from this it. is the this is the crazy thing. I mean, this has actually been kind of the story of 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 my life and and I guess Nana's life as well, our family's life in some ways. Uh, through the last year, one and one and a half years. I mean, doors has been closing. I know we're going to be talking maybe a little bit about Hylum uh, later, um, which was the band that was in, in until the end of last year. Um, but doors have been closing and then new doors have been opening up and I see this sort of COVID door as being, you know, I mean, this COVID situation is closing a massive door. But then I think, again, the, the takeaway from this is is okay, you know, and I know this is, might sound a little bit, uh, I don't want to make it sound careless or whatever, because I know that there are a lot of people in really big trouble here and they might not be able to see it in this way. Um, but... Uh, the challenge is in these kind of situations to be able to see if there is some kind of silver lining, if there is some kind of new door opening. Okay, okay, these doors are all closed now. Well, maybe that's an opportunity for some new doors to open. And, and uh, well, let's see where this goes. You know, it could be that it's a disaster. We don't know. <laughs> but I think the, I, the, the trick is to keep yourself open and keep yourself sort of like uh, in in that positive go-getter spirit. spirit. I mean, just just to move it away from just solely like a, a around COVID, I think that's a good metaphor for life in general. I think that if you just keep moving forward and just keep, you know, keep going, keep going, doors will keep shutting around you and certain chapters will close off. But, you know, if, as long as you keep moving forward, other doors will open and you, things will start to appear and you'll get opportunities that weren't there six months before. And you can just keep keep rolling into the next thing and hopefully end up somewhere that sounds as good as where you hopefully you will be yeah and i think i think also the challenge is to uh, to not to, to to try not to judge whatever situation you are in too much in terms of good and bad i mean try to go a little bit beyond 
good and bad. You know, oh shit, this COVID thing, that's really bad. Well, yeah, but it might show something positive later. I mean, I love the story from uh, Japan, I think. Uh, no, actually, this is from a movie, actually, but it's just a, it's just such a great way that he... But it, it is supposed... I mean, he's telling a story from Japan in the movie, so I don't know if it's an actual story. Um, and uh, and it's the story about the Zen master in, in, a, in a village. Do we have time for this? Should I, should I tell the story? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not time-restricted here. Well, it's a, you know, there's a village in Japan and there's a Zen master uh, living in that village or living on, a, on the mountain next to the village or whatever. And, uh, and there's a boy in that village uh, who comes from, you know, uh, some rich merchant's uh, family. So it's a famous boy or whatever in that village. And uh, he gets a horse for his birthday. And everyone in the village goes, wow, that's so amazing for that boy. Now he can get good at horse riding. And what a beautiful horse. Isn't that lovely, Zen Master? And the Zen Master says, let's see. The boy then goes riding on the horse uh, in the forest and, and falls off the horse and both breaks both his legs or whatever. And everyone in the village goes, Oh no, that's so terrible. Oh, what are we going to do? He's going to be in a hospital for months and he's going to miss the most, you know, perfect time of his youth and blah, 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 and so on. And they go to the Zen master and say, Zen master, what are we going to do? Isn't this horrible? And the Zen master says, let's see. Um, then he lies in the hospital and he starts reading uh, up on science or maths or whatever. And he starts reading all these books because he's got nothing else to do and he becomes a genius. You know, and he sends this dissertation to the main university in uh, Kyoto or wherever that would be, and uh, the, the 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 professors there are enthralled with him, and they want him so straight as his legs are healed, they want him to come there and study with all these amazing professors and blah 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 blah. And uh, everyone in the village says, "Wow, isn't that amazing?" And they go to the Zen master, and you know, it can go on forever. This story, you know, <laughs> the point is just to say. All right, we are in this situation now. Let's see. Let's keep our eyes open. Let's see what opportunities are there. Matthias, I've got a quick question. Yeah. Did you um, get a horse as a child and fall off and break your legs? <laughs> no, no. Is that is that where you get all your knowledge from? <laughs> no, no, that, that that wasn't it. I no, I was just nerding around. Not so much a horse. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, but and I think you know what uh, what Jonas is saying right there is is true. There, like, if you try to see the silver lining or some positive opportunity in the things that happens, like this is something, especially as an academic, um, and especially an academic in the humanities, um, might I add, um, that you get really accustomed to at some point, hopefully, otherwise you're, you're facing demise because, <laughs> you know, you get shut down for so many jobs all the time, right? Uh, you, you send in, uh, you know, research applications uh, that take forever to make. And then they're like, ah, no, that's that no, whatever. Uh, doesn't sound that interesting. Or you uh, apply for a professorship and they, you know, even bring you to campus to meet the students, meet the faculty, meet the dean, all of these things. And then they're like, and ah, not, not this guy. Oh, and, and so on and so forth. That That is like the uh, experience, the experience of, of being an academic in the humanities. So at some point, you know, you got to develop thick skin to that 
and and be like, okay, well, um, there can be so many reasons that you didn't get that job. There can be, uh, and it doesn't even have to be much that has to do with you as a person. It could be the other person that got the job who is just so much better, or it could be the bowel movements that the you know head of the committee had that day. You know, there are so many different reasons. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you can never know. Exactly, and that means you yeah. know uh, when you take all of that into account, you also have to take into account that the things that happen to you aren't necessarily like an, an attack on you exactly like f- from from other people or fate or whatever it is right um well well yeah. you see this kind of thing i mean you see this kind of thing uh, uh you experience that i mean i at least i've experienced that a lot in in meditation the first time i went for a meditation retreat i was so astounded at the f- i mean it was f- took forever to get it into into any kind of uh, meditative state because your mind is always constantly trying to take you all kinds of other ways but uh one of the things that we focus on is that if you're sitting in this meditative position for a long time, what's going to happen is that you're going to start feeling all these aches around your body. And for me, it was in particular in my knees. My knees start aching like shit. And our, our meditation teacher was a Tibetan st- uh, tradition, t- Tibetan school. And uh, he, uh, he said, when you get this pain in your knee, Jonas, try not to say, oh, this is a terrible pain or, oh, I wish this would go away or, or try to sort of judge that pain in your knee. Try to just feel it. Try to just feel the pain that is in your knee and do that for as long as you can. And prom- I promise you this will, this will change. You, you will see, you will experience something quite amazing. And so I tried to do this and I tried simply just, okay, I'm just going to feel this pain in my knee. And it was terrible because I have these, I have this disease in my knees since I was a disease in my knees. Uh, <laughs> since I was, uh, since, since I was in my teens. Ah, <laughs> and that is why you're back for a second time. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. Shit. All right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> anyway, so coming back to the knees, uh, so I was sitting there in this in this pose, and and uh, after a while, this uh, this this pain that I actually managed to not judge as something bad or something terrible started just becoming the sensation, and started becoming like these tons of like you know when you've got um, when you got like you lost of blood in your hand and the blood comes back and just becomes these sort of shiny stars like like prickling sensation. Pins and needles is what. The thing you call it over here. I don't know if it's just. Well, that can be quite painful as well. So you know, mm-hmm. when you when that happens, but but it was basically just, uh, um, uh, yeah, it was basically just like 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 this prickling sensation, just like a tingling sensation, and it just started sort of dissipating. So it just sort of started spreading all over my my leg, and then it kind of kind of disappeared. Really, it it, it was still kind of there. There was still some pressure, but it was just some sort of like like if you imagine a release of energy somehow. So that was, that was what happened the minute I started not looking at it as something bad. So that was quite, you know, that's, that experience stuck with me for a long time. Uh, and I think it might have sort of been like planting a little seed to sort of help me to, to try to cultivate that kind of mindset in everything that I do. Uh, I'm not saying I'm there. Uh, I'm far from it. I have a terrible temper and stuff like that, but, um, but uh, at least, yeah, it was a good experience, something that could teach me something. <laughs> yeah, I think I think most measures of people who are successful tend to be those who are just most resilient and refuse to give up 
when these doors close and when they're told no and when things don't go their way. It's not always that they're the best at things. It's just that they refuse, you know, they're stubborn and they and they keep going, they keep going, they keep going and they keep knocking on all the doors and eventually somebody turns around and, and gives you an opportunity. Yeah, I think I think that's it really. Yeah. And um hmm. But that's something I've been <laughs> really not, I think, very good at for many, many years. I was in a serious slump for many, many years. Um, but again, like uh, these experiences like that one and the story about the Zen Master and all these different things, if you start sort of collecting them together, you can start sort of building towards a towards a Senate that never will come, but you can strive for it at least. But that's, uh, you know, that that's that's 90% of the fun of it, right? Striving for it. 100%. 100%. Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, I, and if you ask me, the, 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 the thrill of actually sitting on that gold toilet up there uh, in, in your tower, that, no, I, uh, that's, that sounds kind of boring to me. But, <laughs> but yeah. you know, striving to get there, that's the interesting part. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. One way I've always looked at it is... You you know you will start out on a journey. Say, let's take me me making horns of Odin for a, for a start, and you know I will start out on that journey, and I'll be making you know things that aren't the quality that I am now. But you know you'll have good days and you'll have bad days. But as you go along the journey, and the further along you get, the the highs get greater, but also the lows. You still have low days, but the low days almost become as good as the good days were. Yeah. When you first started. So you just head on this path upwards where you get to a point where you you have a bad day and you look back two, three years ago and you're like, it's not actually that bad because this is like a, a really, really good day that I was having three, four years ago. And you kind of move on this general progression upwards until hopefully you get somewhere where you are satisfied. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that's cultivation, right? I mean, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, that's great. Uh, speaking of which, um, uh, since we were we were talking about um, what has been happening lately, so I just want to announce that uh, my book, uh, Norse Mythology for Kids, is uh, getting published on June 23rd, and there is already a Amazon page for it, so you can go and pre-order if you uh, would like. Um, I'll throw a link in the uh, uh, description for this podcast. Um just like I will also write the name of that uh, hotel that uh, Jonas is going to be uh, working at. And, of course, uh, other details. But, yeah, so, um, so yeah. Amazing. Right? I'm uh, really happy. I'm so happy for you, man. Thanks. Uh, that's great. <laughs> I would say if you give me the link, we'll share it on, obviously, Horns of Odin and let people know they can grab it. Yeah. Hopefully push some push some traffic towards it. We'll we'll figure that out. You know, you know, it's uh, I still can't believe I I tricked somebody into letting me write a children's book. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, no, but that's awesome, man. Are, are, can you say about your? Haven't you got a new job as well or something? I heard, heard about. Uh, um. Yeah. No. It's, I signed a contract. For, <laughs> then, I like the way. I like the way you started saying it and then kind of turned into a mumble towards the end, like. Am I a bit of yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I I did sign a contract for uh, another three years at um, um, at CU in Boulder. Um, 
you know, directing the Nordic program. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty exciting too. Of course, all of this is pending, uh, you know, visa and and all these things. There right, is yeah, this yeah, yeah. bureaucracy that you need to take into consideration. But uh, but yeah, so no, uh, things are going pretty good on my end too. Brilliant. I guess is that is, is it my is it my turn? Do I have to say something yes, good? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I. The funny thing is, I actually have something quite quite good that happened. So it's like we can have a nice trio of positivity. That's awesome. Let's do it. So we had, I mean. We were lucky enough to, to to make some mugs for the show, The Last Kingdom. Um, they bought some offers, and we didn't know whether they was going to make an appearance or not. And then right at the end of the first episode of the new series, uh, Alexander Drimmon, who plays Uhtred, picks up a, a mug, and it's got some ravens carved into it. And uh, that was one of mine. You know, that was one that I made, and that was a really sort of... Wow. It was a really good moment for, for me. It was, a, it was like one of those pinnacle moments where you're like... You know, well, that's that's pretty cool. But something I made is on Netflix. Congratulations! That is pretty cool. Nice. That's fu- that's freaking awesome. I I haven't gotten all the way through for the uh, the first uh, episode yet. Um, but uh, I will. I'll be looking for it. That's um, it. <laughs> oh, it's 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 a good show. I really I really like the the show. Oh yeah, me too. Actually, I yeah. I, I, I think it's miles miles better than Vikings. I agree, actually. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, so do I. I think it's it's grown. It's it's grown because I think it originally started on BBC, and then it's it seems to have just come on leaps and bounds. Every series has just got better and better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as as a as, as somebody who sort of like trained in narratives, I I might be getting a little tired of hearing him babbling about. Bebenberg all the time. <laughs> like, Come on, guys, get a new, get a new plot. <laughs> he needs to get it back. Yeah, but it's like you know, it's that never-ending cycle. Then there's something new that shows up, and and you know, it, because that's what we've just been talking about, Matthias. You see, he's going along, and all these doors keep shutting on him, but he keeps bashing through and going forward and aiming for his goal. That doesn't right. give up. Yes, yes. One day. Yeah, but the, well, you know, I, I, I just want to, I just want to, there's going to be like a, a plot twist at some point where, you know, they're going to be like, but, but, Utrecht, aren't you going back to Bebenbar? You're going to be like, no, fuck Bebenbar or something. Like that. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Imagine that's it. He just doesn't want it anymore. I'm going to Paris. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to Paris. He has this weird accent. I can't do that. That's that's a strange accent. It's like, no, <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> Utrecht of Bebenbar. No, no, Utrecht. it sounds weird. Utrecht. No, you just you just sound yeah. I don't know. You just sound like Lasso Lasso Rick. Jonas, we're Danes. We we can hardly talk about sounding weird when we speak. So <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. And 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 Daniel Daniel's from York. He's got that sort of. Uh, John Snow thing going on. Yeah, very very monotone. Just cut all the letters off. Cut 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 all the letters off. <laughs> so Jonas, um, we want to hear about your music project. <laughs> yes. So where shall we start? Um, let's. I would say let's start. Obviously, most people will probably know you from being in Highlung. Yeah. So let's start around there, I guess, and then move forward into into what you're doing now. Unless there's earlier, unless you want to start earlier than that. No, I think, I, no, yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think we need to, 
uh, well, I mean, this is the, this is the difficult thing with with any kind of history or, or historical narratives, uh, because you know your life as soon as you know you you're looking back at it, it's a kind of historical narrative in some sense. Uh, oh, 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 as a historian, I can tell you one thing: all history is lies. So yeah, <laughs> and so that's what I'm saying. That this is probably this is gonna be a version of the truth. This is not gonna be the truth. But uh, uh, but either which way, with that throat clearing out of the way, let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, yeah, no. So I've always been a musician. So I've been a musician since I was very very young. Um, uh, my mother likes to say it was the first time, uh, I, like, like sort of like she knew that I was a singer or whatever it was when she put me on a table in front of a conservatory choir uh, that was visiting the island where I grew up, and I was singing some kind of nursery rhyme or whatever. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, but I've always been interested in music. I've always been singing. It's a kind of, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's more like a thing that I am rather than a thing that I sort of, sort of thought that I wanted to do or whatever. It's not really ever been a question. Um, um, and then, you know, so, so I've always been playing all kinds of music. I've been sort of, you know, playing piano or whatever, singing in choirs and got into the whole, I think we started my first band when I was about 11 or 12, probably thought we were a black metal band, probably weren't at all. What probably were you called? We were called, oh yeah, that's a funny thing, we were called, cra we were called Cradle. <laughs> Cradle. Okay. <laughs> Cradle, yeah. You know what, Bornholm as an island has some pretty awesome places to go, you know, make black metal shoots so like. oh yeah there was there was there was a whole thing i mean especially around that time when we started playing uh um that was uh, black metal was quite huge actually uh in the underground scene of bonholm um where i grew up and uh there were people trying to mimic a little bit the church burnings mostly just by overturning a grave or something at a graveyard and, <laughs> of course <and> right <laughs> sort of tagging satan on the on the on the church or whatever. I, re I remember that period, <laughs> you know, back in the mid nineties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's precisely when it was like, like, uh, yeah. So either which way, um, so we did that. And then, you know, me and the guitarist from that band, we started the new band and, um, and yeah, that sort of, uh, kept, kept going on. And, uh, I started playing grunge music and, and all that sort of, sort of thing. But long story short, I, uh, I met, I met Christopher of Heilung, uh, when I was in my third year of gymnasium. I had moved from Bonholm to take the third year of gymnasium, which is like the third year of high school in, in Copenhagen at, uh, Christians, Christianshavnsk gymnasium, which is right next to Christiania. So didn't get much studying doing it. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone knows what, if anyone doesn't know what Christiania is, it's basically the hippie Vatican. Uh, it's like a yeah, it's a, it's like a free city in the middle of Copenhagen. Yeah, a free state even. Free state even. Oh, really? you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Wow. And you you can buy you can buy weed and stuff right off the street. Okay. Like yeah. Okay. Back in those days, you could buy psychedelic mushrooms as well and all kinds of things. I think they've cut back on that, but. Um, but either which way, um, yeah. So I met Christopher uh, uh, back then because he was he was uh, doing his third year as well, and uh, so we, we we became friends and met each other at parties and and all that. And <laughs> but it wasn't until many years later that we started doing a project together. And we did this project where we went to India to record with all these folk musicians and so on. We were there for three weeks, uh, traveling around doing 
we were doing this thing also it's called convolution reverb we went into old temples and recorded the reverb basically of the temples and um and other places such as that and we made a project together and um that project actually really never got at that point really never got off you know off its foot because that's when hiling happened so it's only now that i'm actually uh, i'm actually starting to talk to some record companies about that project as well uh, but that's that's for a, a different time. Uh, otherwise, there'll be too many things uh, floating around. But anyway, so um, I had sort of been I had been privy to the process of Highland developing because I had been renting a studio in Christopher's studio, like a little room in his big studio that he had at that time. Um, Christopher, we have to say, is is one of the core members of Highland, right? Uh, the one who doesn't wear antlers on his head. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the one without antlers. Um, uh, where were I? Yeah, so I was sort of like I, I had been sort of like coming into the studio, sort of when Christopher had sort of finished a track. Uh, I think the first track I heard was uh, the one called Al Fardia Haiti, um, and I was completely blown away by the by the raw power of this music. And and like I told you in the, earlier in the podcast, uh, I had. The first ret- meditation retreat I ever did was in a Tibetan monastery in, in India, in Dharamshala, actually, uh, which is where uh, the Dalai Lama lives, where he has his exile government. And uh, so that was the first time I ever heard throat singing. That was when I was there. Because there was this little temple next to the main, um, um, to the main meditation hall. Next to that, there was a little temple where there was these a lot of these um, Rinpoches and, and, and yogis sitting and just doing this like I can't do the words that they say, but it's like that. <laughs> and then it just keeps going on like that. And they kept going on for hours and hours. And I was just like, what is going on here? And I was doing my sort of walking meditation we had to do for an hour. And uh and so I did that and I sat down and listened to these guys. I was completely transported. I thought it was absolutely amazing. I didn't even know you could make these kind of sounds with the, with your voice at that time. So this is more than a decade ago. And, uh, and so when I heard Alpha de Haiti, uh, I could hear that sort of primal energy from, from, uh, that I'd heard these Tibetan monks do in a Nordic setting with these Nordic words and this more dark energy that that Heilung also has I was completely amazed by it but at that time you know it, it, from, at least from what Christopher told me he didn't think that it was ever going to be something that we're going to play live with you know he thought it was just you know him and Kai and Maria's own little cozy project you know where they were meddling around fiddling around with stuff so was he at that point was Heilung just the three of them yeah so that was back I think it was in two, early 2015 or something like that okay yeah so probably sometime before they released Ofnir. And uh yeah, so so yeah, so there was just their their project at that time and but I thought it was amazing. I I thought I really thought they should go out and play with it live, but it wasn't until was it early 2017 where I got a call from Christopher and said, Hey, now there are actually these festivals uh, and, you know, they had had this Chris Galder video out, which is some guy who had put pictures of the Viking series and, you know, the Chris Galder was, was just playing in the background. Uh, they had put that on YouTube and that had sort of gathered 
more than a million or maybe two million views or whatever. And so they sort of got started getting a, a big uh, attraction at that time. And um, yeah, so Castlefest and Mika's Blood were was on the ones was on the was on the wall, and uh, they wanted to uh, collect a band for 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 doing those for for basically translating Heilung's music into a live experience. And uh, he needed someone who could who could sing uh, the male voice parts, because interestingly enough, you know, uh, Kai is wasn't traditionally a musician; he's a tattoo artist. Um, so he had to learn to be a musician from scratch, from what I understand. And uh, so they wanted someone to do, just carry that male vocal parts, you know. Uh, and Christopher and I have been friends for years and, and, and so on. So, yeah, it, it was, uh, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to go and dress up like a Viking and throat sing and learn to throat sing and all these different things. I didn't know how to throat sing at that time. I had to learn it from scratch as well. Just to quickly jump in, is that is that style of music, to be able to play that live, do you have to bring in outside people? I guess you, the three of them couldn't have possibly done it on their own. I think they 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 probably could have, but it would have been very much like um, you know uh, a DJ set almost with with some live instrumentation. You know, they could have played some drums live and so on, but it wouldn't have had that wouldn't have had that pure live feeling uh, if they'd done that. So I understand I understood why they wanted to do it, and they wanted to make a spectacle out of it. You know, and you know make this great stage. Um, you know what do you call it uh, ornaments and so on and so forth and uh, I, I totally get why they wanted to do that because it would have I think it would not have been able to they wouldn't have been able to capture that soul I think if it had just been the three of them they could have done it and made much more money <laughs> which would have been clever maybe but uh, <laughs> but yeah uh, they they chose to uh, to do it in this way which I think is great and you know the Castle Fest, uh, which was the first uh, concert that that Heilung ever played, uh, was the one that they filmed and was the one that sort of really garnered them, you know, all the attention that they got later on, because they just blew up on YouTube and and has so many million views now. Yeah, I mean, I guess to to anybody on the outside, it is something that is so different to mainstream music that. <laughs> I guess it does it does draw people's attention, you know. It even I guess even to people who are in this community and, and like this thing, you know, it's it's a very impressive style of music. But to somebody on the outside that doesn't see it see it at all, I guess when they come across something like that, whether you're a fan or not, it's still very mesmerizing. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally is. It's it totally is. And also, I mean, you know, the uh uh <laughs> what happens on stage when they're playing live. Um, I've seen them in two settings now. One in Midgårdsplot in Norway, uh, which is, you know, with a Viking hall in the background and all that stuff. That's that. Uh, and I, you know, Jonas, you were playing at that concert too, right? Yeah. 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 That was one of the most memorable ones I would say. Yeah. And it was, yeah. it was, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. And then I've, uh, I've seen Heilung here in uh, uh, downtown Denver in one of the old uh, crusty uh, uh, <laughs> sort of like metal venues, um, which is, you know, it holds a lot, a big crowd, but um, but it's definitely a different experience. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I think uh, as, as with Heilung, as with the Vardruna as well, you know, this kind of stuff is best experienced, uh, you know, open air 
under an open sky. You know, it's it's in, it's interesting because I've seen Vatrona at, um, at the Boulder Theater uh, in Boulder uh, here in Colorado, and I've seen them at the famous Red Rocks uh, venue. Um, and personally, I was more taken by the uh, the experience in the, the Boulder Theater, which is just a basic, right. you know, uh, venue because of you know the light shows and everything is so much more overwhelming when you're sitting in that smaller space than when you're in this amphitheater uh, setting, looking down on it. But isn't, isn't, isn't Red Ross like 12,000 people or something like that? It's huge, yes, yes, uh, it is. <laughs> well, there you go, there you go. Yeah, no, it makes a, a huge difference. There's, of course, other things that are incredible about the show. Um, so, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was just an interesting observation I made right there. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, okay, so you basically just made an observation that completely, uh, you know, destroyed my point. But thank you very much, Matthias, you know. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> hey, we're, we're honest on this show. Yeah, that's good. No, that's good. No, but I, I think I think there probably the intimacy of, of what you were experiencing took precedence over the, over, the, over the open sky because it was such a big thing, a big place. Maybe the whole experience drowned a little bit. I mean, it's also, I think, I have no idea. I didn't see any of these uh, concerts. Um, I've actually never seen Vadruna. I've seen uh, Ivar Bjornsson and, 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 uh, and Einar, uh, which was great. Um, but I haven't seen Vadruna actually playing before. But perhaps, you know, this was the first time they ever did a show like this, you know, um, with their solo show. It, it maybe takes time to figure out exactly how to do that. I, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't know. Um, but either which way, coming back to this whole thing, um, I basically decided just before that show um, that you saw in Midgardsblot in August last year, I decided to, to, to quit Highland. And not because of anything other than the fact that I felt this was, now it was the time for me to, I mean, because when you're in such a machinery as Heilung is, it's a huge, uh, huge band, huge production, um, a huge band in terms of numbers as well. Uh, so many people in the band as well. And um, it's amazing that no one's murdered each other yet, just for that fact. <laughs> That's band dynamics, right? <laughs> how, many, how many members are, are in there? Uh, it depends. Uh, it varies. Uh, I think in the, in the band, I believe it's seven, and then you have the warrior thing that could be anything from four to six to. I think we've had like eight warriors, maybe or maybe even more. Uh, nine warriors, I think. There was nine warriors at one point in time, I think. Uh, okay. Uh, so you do the math. Uh, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people in one band and traveling together in in one. Big steel bucket on wheels. With with weaponry, by the way. With weaponry, with <laughs> shields and spears and <laughs> pointy antlers and I don't know what. I I imagine I imagine you know I think most people have found out from quarantine life that you know no matter how much you love people and no matter how much you get on with people if you if you're cooped up. 24 hours a day you are going to bicker you're going to fall out you're going to find little things that annoy you so i imagine you know quite a few of you stuck on a, a bus you soon have disagreements over the most you know, menial things yeah 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 but i mean 
it's, I don't know. I think uh, I think for the large part, those, those sort of things were averted. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's pretty amazing that nothing nothing serious uh, nothing serious happened. But I mean, I, I just basically I could see that being a part of this big machinery, I, I would have to sort of you know I could already see. I think it was in August September there was already like what fifty sixty shows on the table for wow. 2021. Or 2020, sorry. And I just, I was like, okay, I could decide to be sort of the company man and just trudge on with Heilong and, you know, all that stuff. Or I could decide to do my own. And I really needed to do my own uh, for various reasons also. I've been wanting to do something for a long time. And uh, I was, um, yeah, we can get into what it's about later. Uh, but I basically decided to leave there. And so the European tour was my last tour. So no- October and November was my last tour with uh, with Highland. That can't be an easy decision to make. Obviously, you're in, you know, you're, I guess you, you've effectively made it in what most people would say for a musician. You know, you're, you're touring, touring, you're touring Europe with a band, you know, you, you're doing, you're living the life, I guess. So, yeah. With a, with a US uh, tour on the horizon, too, you know, at yeah, that time. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, I guess to step away from that can't be an easy decision, but it's also, you know, you've got to have huge respect for you you know, wanting to, to chase your own thing and do, do your own thing and having the, having the balls, I guess, to, to be willing to, to take that step. Yeah. Um, I guess so. I mean, yeah, I think, you know, again, like, how do I put this? Um, being in Highland was an incredibly learning experience. You know, it taught me so many things. Uh, it taught me new ways of 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 approaching music. Uh, it taught me a lot about the touring life, uh, all that sort of stuff. I mean, I I played music all my life. I played concert and I played a few big ones as well before that, but but nothing in on this scale, of course, like you say, you know, nothing on this scale at all. And um, uh, you know. I guess, I guess I, I was so, I could just, I couldn't see myself being able to have time to do Heilung and then do my own thing as well and then do my company and be a dad and all these different things, you know, I just couldn't see it happen, happen. So I just really, I really steeled myself, you know, I really said, okay, I have all these aspirations. I have these dreams and so on. And it's been amazing being in Heilung. I've done that for two years. I've met and amazing people and and all this kind of stuff thank you and uh, and goodbye I'm, I'm 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 heading off on my own adventure now you know and uh, the minute i did that uh i was actually when i came back to london after after a midgas load um i was contacted by a movie studio um to do to to be a part of doing music for uh an upcoming uh viking movie as well so you, you could say that one door closed and another one opened. <laughs> That's precisely it. <laughs> That's precisely it. And the minute I, I, I left Heilung uh, in November uh, and went off the tour, I went back with the actually with the composer that I had met on that film project and said, we need to do something together now. And I contacted Matthias. We have to get into Matthias and, and my uh, collaboration on this as well. I contacted Matthias. Oh, wait, Matthias, I can't even remember when I contacted you. The whole thing is a blur right now for me. The whole thing happened so fast. Yeah, I, I, that was sometime in November, as far as I remember. Okay, so it must have been right when I came back from uh, 
from from the Highland thing. I was just I literally contacted you and say, hey, we got to do this thing about sex and stuff, and uh, we'll get into that <laughs> later. Sounds, <laughs> uh, that sounds a little interesting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, it, it certainly was. And, uh, and I contacted the, the composer, uh, a guy called Sebastian Gainsborough. Uh, his artist name is Vessel, and he's a fantastic, uh, fantastic composer and producer. And uh, contacted him and said, we've got to do this in the beginning of December. I have no time. It has to be done now. Um, and bum, bum, bum. And uh, I have no time to read up on all this Norse shit. So Matthias, help me with that. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, of course not. I mean, but um, but yeah, I really needed. To, I really had. To, I was. I was filled with this bloody fire of Suther, You know, like um, completely. Uh, yeah, uh, poised to do this. And uh, and um, and the minute I I was done with it, uh, I sent it to to buy Norse, which is. Uh, uh, Einar Selvig and um, Ivar Björnsson's uh, record label uh, and uh, a guy called uh, Simon Fullerman who's been in the business for a long time lovely Swiss guy uh, who's uh, a brilliant uh, businessman and understands the business really well and so on and uh, they were just like they loved it they loved the music and uh, they just wanted to get started on working together straight away and so doors open and doors close you just have to if you feel something you want to do it you just gotta fucking fucking do it Fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that I think it's brilliant. You know, I think most people would probably think that you're absolutely insane for you know for leaving a band like Highlung, but like you say, you those opportunities open, and then you 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 can step into these other things, and hopefully, they're going to lead you know to new experiences, to new places. Definitely. I mean, yeah, it's, fu- it's funny you say that, though, because my daughter said that to me, you know, Alana is eight years old, and she was like, are you sure you're going to do this, Dad? This is a really big risk, <laughs> you know? It's like, this, you've got everything there in Heilung and all that, you know, she'd seen a f- couple of shows and were mesmerized by it as well, and she was like, are you sure? <laughs> I'm like, shut up, <laughs> go back to your whatever. <laughs> go back to being a kid. <laughs> yeah, go back to being a kid and stuff. Don't give me that wisdom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. But no, but she, but she, but it's funny. She, she did understand when I explained it to her, you know, and she, she's, uh, she thinks it's cool, but, um, which is important to have her blessing. But, um, yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, so I, so getting into what inspired me to do this, this, this thing was, uh, I had had some experiences with, um, yeah, understanding my own sexuality and my own relationship to sex and the body and objectivity and subjectivity in the interplay between people, lovers, basically. And I'd sort of understood that I didn't understand sexuality at all. Um, I felt I didn't know what sex was actually meant to be in some sense. Um, and I, uh, I felt that there had to be a way of a way of talking about sacred sex in an artistic way from a pre-christian northern european perspective and this is also because of again coming back to my whole indophilia uh, i know this from um, in particular india where there is this idea for instance in kundalini yoga where 
you know, energy has to be channeled from the groin area up through the body and released through the head. And, and sexuality is seen as a spiritual practice and not something to be frowned upon. Um, and, um, and, and there's the Kama Sutra as well, which I'm sure you know about, which is basically an exploration of different ways of, of getting to a tantric state with sexuality. Uh, and there are even guidelines and sort of almost like a manual of how to position yourself and so on and so forth. But the most important thing is the spiritual aspect of it. So I was like, I, there has to be this in in in, uh, in Nordic mythology, Nordic uh, religions as well, because uh, it's an Indo-European tradition. And of course, I knew some things, um, uh, but uh, I needed a partner uh, who had the scholarly um, understanding and so on and I hadn't spoken to Matthias. Matthias and I didn't know each other before this, but uh, I'd seen some of his videos. And uh, I thought he didn't look like your average fair scholar. Maybe he would be... Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe he'd be up for, uh, for, for sparring with me on this. So uh, we started working together. And, and, and yeah, Matthias, I don't know if you want to say something about that. Uh, yeah, sure. Just, just, to jump, just to jump in quickly, is this the topic of what the, the new EP will be? Just, I just wanted to make sure, just, just clear it up from for myself and for anyone listening that that's, that that's what it's going to be is around this this kind of topic. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, just to make that absolutely hammer that down, uh, the whole, uh, so not just the EP. Um, th there's going to be an EP one, EP two, and then there's going to be a, a, a whole album as well, and it's all going to be relating to relating to sexuality in various different ways. Uh, from a Nordic uh, perspective, from a pre-Christian Nordic perspective, this this episode has taken such a wonderful turn that I didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, coming into this, I you know I came in blind. I didn't know any of this. I hadn't spoken to either of you about kind of like the topics of it. And I think it's really it's really fascinating. I just kind of wanted to jump over to Matthias now and uh, hear some hear some more and hear you know hear how it actually is displayed in in kind of like the nordic studies yeah so yeah um yeah jonas uh <laughs> contacts me and the, he's like so i i'm i, I want to do this musical music project and i need your help to you know figure out like what kind of stories to work with uh what do we have uh and and all that stuff and i'm like well okay let, let me just go go sit and meditate in an ice cave up in the mountains and <laughs> sacrifice a goat and cast some runes, all of these things. And and then I got back to him with, uh, you know, the, the story of uh, Freyr and Gerder uh, from Skirnismau uh, in the Poetic Edda. This is the story that, you know, people mostly know as a love story where Freyr falls in love with Gerder. That's not really the, the, the actual wording. <laughs> it's very it's a very physical desire. Um so so that's that's one thing. Are you I would say is it a long story? Are you able to to tell the story or at least give give the gist just for people that you know that haven't I can I can definitely give the gist of it. Um so so we know it from the poem Skirtnismal, which is in the Poetic Edda, and we also have a brief blurb about it in Snorri Sturluson's Etta. Snarristotelson is, of course, the most commonly known version um, because that's written in prose and it's easier to, for people to access, whereas the poetry can be a little tricky. Um, but yeah, so it basically goes that uh, Freyr, he uh, sits at Hlidskjalver, uh, Odin's uh, throne, 
where he can see throughout all of the worlds. And there he sees in the far end of the Ertenheimer, where the giants live, that, uh, that there's this beautiful woman uh, walking around and he's he gets quote unquote lovesick. <laughs> 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 and then, um, you know, uh, she, uh, he, he then, you know, goes and sulks basically. He, he's like, <laughs> he sits in his room pouting and, um, <laughs> and, uh, he's just, he's just a typical man then really. Right? I yeah, think we've all, we've all, <laughs> we've all sulked at one point in our lives for that. <laughs> exactly. And then, then, you know, uh, the, um, uh, his parents, um, Nyarder and Skadi, they're like, what's up with Fred? And, then they sent the servant Skirnir. For some reason, they don't want to talk to him themselves. <laughs> They're like, hey, hey, kiddo, could you go check out what's wrong with, <laughs> with Frey over there? And then Skirnir goes and, and asks him, and he's then he tells him what's wrong. And um, and then Skirnir says, well, I can go uh, talk to the lady for you if you need me to. And uh, then he sends him off on his way. And Skirnir goes and um, tries to convince uh, Gather to um you know <laughs> come quote unquote meet Frere. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of when you're in primary school and you you fancy a girl so you like you don't want to go speak to yourself because that's obviously just too easy right. so you have to convince your friend to go and talk to her <laughs> to see if she likes you so then you can then go and speak to her there's definitely something about that you know it's really interesting how strangely infantile Frere as uh, sort of like fertility god uh, is in this story he's like just sitting there sulking <laughs> i think i think what, what, i think one thing that uh, i think is important to remember in because the story gets really really interesting once skirnir tries to uh once skirnir tries to to woo gerder really that's when the story gets really interesting for me at least uh, in terms of, of of finding a theme to work with artistically and musically um but uh, but but the thing is, I, I we have to remember, or I think at least there's a very good chance that these stories. I mean, first of all, these stories are written down uh, probably as some kind of theatrical kind of thing. I mean, that's what that's what um, what's his face, the guy from Iceland, talks about. Ter- Terry Gunnell. <laughs> yeah, Terry Gunnell. <laughs> that's what Terry Gunnell talks about, right? Uh, a lot, and uh, and you know, so so obviously they have these kind of. It's very very anthropomorphized, you know, like it. You have to be able to, if you imagine you're sitting and watching a movie, you want to be able to relate to the characters and so on and so forth. But what I find is really interesting is that is the names and and the whole the whole overarching structures and thematics of it. You know, the sun god sending Skirnir, the shining one, sending his sunshine to Gerder, which basically means arable land or fertile land. Exactly, that's. That yeah. that is that that is the the sort of underlying component to all of this. There there there's interpretive layers, right? And and this this has relevance to a pre-Christian religion that existed, um, where they did have fertility rituals, and we don't know exactly what these fertility rituals really looked like, but I can tell you that from you know the over, sort of general broad stroke. Of, of the available literature in Europe at large, there's definitely some penises involved. Uh, <laughs> parading sure. penises around in the fields is, uh, is a common Roman practice before Christianity. Uh, uh, vaginas as well. Um, and the yoni balls, uh, the, the, what they, 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 they are called, I can't remember what the, 
what was, what was the English word for them? Um, but they're basically like these uh, bull digs um, from, there's a lot actually in the island that I grew up, which are these rocks that have been hollowed out uh, to become like a bowl and people would mix uh, sperm basically and, 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 and the seeds that you want to plant into that. You would actually even have like a young couple congregate and then take the fluids from that congregation and then uh, put that into the ground. But again, you know, without getting too graphic about all this. And by, by the way, just just to uh, to add to this, these uh, types of rituals uh, still took place in the late 19th century. <laughs> yes, I read that as well. It's super interesting. Uh, uh, and that, uh, what, what I wanted to say is that, you know, the Scandinavian landscape, especially Norway and Sweden, is scattered with, uh, you know, uh, penis uh, representations, like phallic, uh, phallic rocks. It's a very common thing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just just to jump in, um, I think, first of all, I think we're going to have to just go back and finish the story because we're probably going to get so many complaints if we don't finish where you got up to before we kind of wound off. And just on the, on the point of what you were saying, I think I remember reading an article about how in some pre sort of, uh I guess some prehistoric sort of cultures where they they believed that if a, if a woman had sex with multiple men then she would take traits from each of those men so you know if if she had sex with the strongest the smartest the best looking then you know the sperm would somehow mix and then make you know the baby would pick up traits from all these different people obviously they didn't have the understanding of how things work quite how we do now but it's interesting that i guess it makes it kind of makes sense if you don't have the science behind you know you would have kind of assumed that that would happen well yeah the uh, the <laughs> the sexual history of humanity is uh, is curious and complex <laughs> <laughs> and science science doesn't know everything who knows might be no. true well yeah. maybe not so yeah Mateus, let's just pull it back and let's let's finish the story because i know if i've listened to a podcast before and people get halfway through a story and then stop it makes me furious so. <laughs> okay so 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 first sent skirnir Skirnir goes to Jotunheim, and the first thing that happens is that he encounters the sort of like the the warden, um, the gatekeeper, which is a, a shepherd, who's like, you got to be insane to try to co- come in here and uh, talk together, and uh, but but he manages to uh, to to uh, just basically trot up there and uh, and then be like, hey, what's up? And she's like, you go away. And he's like, no, no, no. I brought gold. Um, wouldn't you like to sleep with Frere uh, for some gold? And she's like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> and and then he's like, oh, okay, well, um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill your father and brother. <laughs> and you got to wonder about his tactics here. They don't sound particularly reasonable, if you ask me. Um, no, but I guess he doesn't have the same thing invested in this and, uh, as Freya does. But uh, yeah, so he's he's uh, threatening her uh, male wardens. And a thing to understand about uh, Viking Age society is that uh, very much we have this popular idea that uh, women were free and and all that stuff. That's not really the case. Uh, it very much looks like. Uh, it was a very similar patriarchal structure where uh, men represent the family and um, uh, guard the women. 
in, in you know public life and uh, that would also mean then that when you are interested in marrying for instance uh, for instance you have to go to the patriarch of the family or a brother or a male representative in order to get to the woman right and this is interesting because Skirtner does not do that right he just goes there and tells her that uh, he's just gonna kill her male wardens if she's not down with Fred and next level, um, and she basically rejects him again. The next level is then that um, he pu uh, puts a curse on her. So he goes to the woods and gets a, a magic wand. Ah, magic wand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's both phallic representation and Harry Potter involved here. And, uh, <laughs> and then he casts a spell on her. And that spell is really interesting because... What he's basically saying is that he takes away her fertility. He turns the gods against him and uh, or against her. And, and then he banish her to the underworld. He says, you will live by the gates of hell with a three-headed giant and you'll only drink goat piss. And uh, this thing about goat piss is actually really important because um, goats have some kind of relationship to uh, these... Um, concepts of, of fertility and also again the piss that comes from a goat uh, has a uh, uh, you know some some relevance in terms of these fluids uh, that are involved in the sexual act but also um, there was a sort of a analogical relationship to um, the intoxicating drink remember that Heirun uh, uh, the the goat in Valhuk right um she has an udder that uh, from which mead flows at least according mm. to another story yeah. right yeah. so there's yeah. something going on there there's a there's some uh, uh, some 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 an analogy happening here uh where she gets the inversion of all of that and the mead is of course an, a, an important aspect that uh, we should also get into because it has something to do with sexuality too so yeah but eventually, she just to finish up the story, she ends up um, <laughs> she ends up accepting uh, to meet with Frer in this grove called Barri, uh, um, some like nine nights after or something like that. And then Skidner goes back to Frer and says, uh, "You know, uh, she says she will meet you." And then he, and then Frer is like, "Oh, oh." How am I supposed to wait that long? <laughs> <laughs> and then the moments. <laughs> and then the moments, yeah. yeah. How, how, I had to wait one or two nights. How can I wait nine? That kind of thing. Right? Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's yeah. only three. I can't remember. But, it's, you know, either the magical number three or the magical number nine. I think it's, not, I think it's nine. I think it's nine again. In, I would say it's quite interesting because you have this... The, I guess most people have this image of, of Vikings as you know as these big, strong, kind of male figures who who do what they want. You know, they they rape and pillage, whatever. However, you you envisage it, and then you have like you say the god of fertility, one of the most powerful gods out there, and he's very the the way he comes across isn't you know as you would expect. No, and and you have to have to consider that there are many interpretations. Different scholars have. Uh, taken interpretations of the, this poem in many different directions 
there's there's a lot of things that you can say about it. It's of course it's a medieval poem. It's uh, it was written down after Christianity had come to Iceland, long after actually. You know, it's in from the late twelve uh, hundreds. It probably existed before then, or it did definitely exist before then, because we know that Snorri Sturluson uses it in the beginning of the twelve hundreds. Um, but uh, there's of course debate about when was this poem composed? Uh, is it actually pagan in origin? Is it uh, uh, post-conversion? Are uh, we dealing with Christians making fun of this fertility god? Or are we dealing with more uh, sort of like deep-seated philosophy about fertility in general? And I tend to be more on that bandwagon of like the, this, this has a deep-rooted philosophy incorporated into it. Um, more than it's it just, you know, Christianity making fun of it. But, you know, you have to, the one thing you have to consider with all of this material, as, as Jonas was also saying before, uh, this this material is used for performance, right? And and this, you know, solemn tone, uh, however you want to express this um, way that we have, uh, or this way that we think of, of religion today is very different back then. You know, humor, uh, ridiculous scenes, all that stuff was part of uh, that religious setup. So myths that make fun of the fertility god could definitely have existed. That's, sure. that's definitely a possibility. I mean, one of the things that I really like, um, I love, in fact, and have come to love about working with uh, with mythological material is precisely its... Uh, proclivity to be pronounced to, to be interpreted in more or less any way you like i mean you know i'm in the happy situation that matthias arguably is not that i'm an artist and therefore you know uh, in the sense that uh, in the sense that you have to when you write a scholarly book about these kind of things you have to take into account all kinds of things and xyz said this and that and so on and so forth. That's not to say that you're not being creative when you're doing your scholarly work. I know you are, and I'm certainly not bashing your your craft. Uh, Definitely don't feel bashed. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. No, I mean, I, 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 I'm totally in debt to, to the work that you uh, put into this. But but the thing is that when I, when I work with this mythological stuff, I really go in and I really look for that thing that inspires me in the particular mythological story. And the thing that really inspired me in this story was the part where Skirnir um, uh, basically curses Gerda. Because the, the sexual friction, the sexual imagery, imagery that's in there uh, really was something that I felt was incredibly interesting because of the whole idea of of um, because there's this frantic kind of way that Skirner is talking together. It's almost like he's saying, if this doesn't happen now, the whole world is going to fucking blow up. And, and again, that leads me back to thinking in all kinds of analogies and, 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 and comparisons. You know, if you compare that to Indian thinking as well, you know, again, um, if you do not channel that energy from the ground, the earth chakra, uh, up through your crown chakra you can the whole philosophy behind that is that you'll experience all kinds of calamities disease your body is going to break down so on and so forth if you don't do these practices in the correct way 
And so this idea of this channeling, this meeting of sky and ground, which is then mirrored in human sexuality, is something I find incredibly interesting to work with. Um, and that's basically what I what we took. And then we did something else, which is something uh, I really liked that we did, was that we uh, we took these ancient stories and the different verses that we are using, or that I'm using in the music, we took them and then Matthias uh, has uh, translated it into the oldest Nordic language that we know to sort of create a spiritual language to or recreate a spiritual language to express these ideas. Again, taking inspiration from other uh, spiritual traditions that are still alive today, because sadly the Nordic tradition isn't alive in a in a sense i mean it is being revigorated in many many different ways today but it it's certainly um something that has been broken um so if you can look at for instance rituals in india all the rituals are taking place in sanskrit which is basically just a ritualistic language the same with christianity in uh, in middle east uh they use aramaic for instance which is an old dead language which hardly anyone speaks anymore or if they do speak it today, it's a completely different version of it from the one that was spoken originally. So this idea of then setting all these these ideas, these these spiritual ideas about sexuality, in a uh, in a uh, in a spiritual language, if you will, uh, was something that I really love to do. And the language is beautiful, beautiful to sing in as well. So I'm really looking forward to getting that out. I mean, I've 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 been hearing. Uh... In all your <laughs> productions, and uh, I, I really, I think it sounds amazing. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. So, so Jonas was like, uh, basically, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a common phenomenon for for religions to have, you know, old languages that they they use for ritual, right? We, we know this, particularly, as, you know, Latin in the Catholic Church, right? Um, and um, uh, it, it it gives sort of a more mystical flavor to 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 rituals. It it gives some potency in a sense, and yeah, Jonas asked me, "Hey, can you uh, <laughs> can you uh, can you help me out with that?" And I was like, "Well, why don't we uh, look into basically just dialing back time on this old Norse language and like go proto-Germanic on and go proto-Nordic and." And that's how we we ended up with that, and it's yeah, it's uh, it, I, I think it's it sounds awesome. But obviously, I'm 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 no expert in that language. There are actually experts out there. I mean, I I am trained uh, in in uh, Germanic linguistics to some extent, but but I'm I'm not the guy who wrote the the PhD thesis on Proto-Germanic language. No, he's probably going to write a scathing report at some point, whoever that is. Yeah, uh, that that one guy, that one guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is not correct. He pronounced that Z like a sh. It should have been a Z or whatever. <laughs> there's there's definitely going to be those people out there somewhere. But hey, this is you know this is creative work. This is uh, starting starting anew with the with something uh, that's going to be really beautiful and 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 creative and awesome so yeah yeah i mean this is this is the thing like it's it's a fantastic thing to work with these things because it it just um for me also i like the fact that when you when i work with with music um and this is something i've done much more because when i was younger i didn't do this i just was like a more of an expressive sort of type who would just express you know uh oh this girl left me or whatever but you know um 
working with this framework of mythology to inspire uh, to inspire a creative process is incredible because you 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 put some boundaries on yourself in some sense, but then when you break those rules that you set for yourself, you know why you're doing it. There's a specific reason you go beyond a rule that you've set up for yourself. So, for instance, we're gonna we put the rule that it should all be in this proto-Germanic language, but we're actually gonna be breaking that rule uh, in this one particular uh, episode, uh, one particular track, because this is something that's written down by a man in Norway who is sad about this girl having left him, for instance. But it's not written down in this in this in this uh, Jodhauter type thing where. Uh, and just to be clear, what that what I mean by that is that, you know, uh, is not written down as a spiritual text or a mythological text, if you will, like Skirnes Mal or Skalskapas Mal. It's written down by an actual person who was shit fucking angry about this fact that he's lost his best girl, you know, and he's cursing her. And then he ends up by saying, love me like yourself, you know, love me like yourself. And it's so beautiful. Like uh, when I wrote it, when I read it, uh, I was I thought, okay, we can't translate this into an older language. Let's use the man's language here. Can you can you remember the curse? Can we can we hear it? Uh, yes. Do you, do you have it or? Yeah, I can. I can. I can find it if you want. Do you want me to say it? Oh, I definitely like to hear it. Yeah, for sure. I can. I can try. I'm. I'm sure your uh, previous guest Sigurd Bodhi is gonna. Say that I butchered it completely, but uh... hey, 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 hey! He's got nothing on you because this is medieval Norwegian. It's not okay. Icelandic. <laughs> that's 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 the that's the eternal uh, debate, right? Did the uh, old Norse sound more like medieval Norwegian or medieval Icelandic? <laughs> oh, okay. Is that the the battle? Yeah, that is that is the battle. I'm. I have uh, taken a little shit on uh, on Jackson Crawford's channel for uh, pronouncing uh, Old Norse in Icelandic and not in the reconstructed uh, Norwegian <laughs> that that he uses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got it. Do you want me to read it in Old uh, Old um, Norse and then and then English? Do both. Yeah. All right. I shall try to get the rolling R's going. Yes. Okay. Rist eg runar. Rist eg bjarg runar, einfald vid alfum, tvifald vid trullum, threefald vid thursom. Vid iniskedu skak valkyrju, svaid e megi tho at eviri levis kona lifi thinu. Eg sendi ther, eg sea ther ulgjar, ergi og othulu a ther renni othuloi og jötons mod situ aldri softu aldri and mer shalfri ther So, that translates into I carve healing runes, I carve protection runes once against elves, twice against trolls, thrice against giants against the harmful spear-carrying Valkyrie, so that she cannot, though she may always wish to, the evil woman heard your life I send you. I chant unto you the she-wolf's perversion, an intolerable longing, may unsatisfied longing come upon you, and the giant's rage, may you never be able to sit still, 
May you never sleep. Love me like yourself. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I think that's completely mind-blowing. This is just like, this is a, a man who's, uh, whose heart has just been like torn out of his chest. Now we know due to the grammatical uh, um, uh, gender of, uh, of certain pronouns in the text, we know that this is a man talking to a woman. Um, yeah. That's how we can, we can see that. So, yeah. I mean, it shows that some things are just as old as time, you know, like these these feelings of love and the betrayal and hurt that can come from that, you know, they're timeless. These this It's not a modern thing. And, you know, you think of the Vikings or any prehistoric people, you know, further back than that. It's, it's so distant from us, but yet they will still have had those same feelings of, of hurt and anguish and love and, and, you know, the negative and the positive. For sure. I mean, I mean, I think what's so special about this, uh, about this poem in, in particular, is the way that he is expressing this anguish, this deep longing and anguish, and he's cursing her in this way. But then he ends with, "I just wanted you to love me like you love yourself." You know, it ends on that, and ends on that sort of release kind of thing. You know, it's like. Oh bloody hell! I yeah, I'm I'm sorry, love, but I just wanted you to love me like yourself. You know, like <laughs> I'm sorry I did that. I shouldn't have sent giants after you and shit. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry it's, about it's, the demons. <laughs> sorry about the demons. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we laugh, but I'm sure there's I'm sure this speaks to to so many people, especially you know, in your younger years when you're in your you saw late teens, early twenties, you know, everything is so raw and, you know, you do act out of stupidity sometimes when, you know, when a girl hurts you or a boy hurts you and, you know, you react out of emotion and then you know, you reflect later and think, oh shit, you know, I only, I only did it because I want your love, but and if sometimes by doing that, you almost push them further away. Yeah, certainly, certainly. And these these Vikings, by the way, they they did that uh, in the exact same way. Uh, one of the other ones that Jonas and I, and I have been looking at is just this very brief text that says, "May a demon sort out bees, cunt." So the B is is just like the the first letter of of this person's uh, name, right? <laughs> You're just like. Okay, somebody was really pissed off right there when they wrote that little runic inscription. <laughs> and, you know, that range was the same as ours. So you, you can find runic inscriptions that where somebody just wrote, um, yeah, sorry, but they just wrote pussy. Um, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, okay. or, or they wrote their name or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, I, I, think, I think, you know... Uh, because uh, there's a lot of interesting things going on here like so th there's there's definitely you know the the work between Matthias and I to find the material to to make into music that hopefully uh you know you know music can be interpreted in any way it wants to be by the by the one who listens to it but hopefully some of these things will will shine through some of this work that's gone into it but there's also been uh you know I've looked a lot at uh, you know the philosophy of sexuality as well and especially Nena has been uh, has been instrumental in my conversations with her and so on has been instrumental in sort of shaping the the feelings that I want to portray and so on. And, uh, uh, and Matthias and uh, and then are actually writing a book about these themes uh, relating 
relating these mythological themes to, to the philosophy work that's been going on on the subject as well. And we ended up sort of through the process of having these three themes uh, that are going to be sort of in different um, shapes and forms going to appear on the record. So it's going to be the theme of lust and longing and desire. Then this theme of sexual friction and even sexual violence in some sense. And then the, the end theme is the, the absolute subjectivity, the one where you merge completely with the other and you're absolutely one and, uh, and you experience almost a transcendental experience through sexuality. So those are those three themes are going to be explored on the EPs and the coming album. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we've touched on kind of the love side of things here, but it certainly interests me a lot and it, maybe it's worth us waiting until valentine's day next year or something like that and we you know the album will, will be out the music will be out we can do like a special based on just that and look at both you know both sides of of um of the, of the coin almost like you said the the hatred and the sexual violence side of things but also like the expressions of love and and lust and and the nice side of things and really delve into that that's something i'd certainly like to learn more of. i'm sure people Definitely. listening would as well yeah, I mean, there's no way we're going to be able to cover everything in one podcast because this 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 subject, as I've uh, realized once Matthias and I started digging into it, is it's incredibly broad and incredibly deep, and and there's actually much more uh, information on this uh, from you know this time than I thought that would be. Yeah, no, I mean, we we haven't even gotten into the whole Odin mythology here, and. Uh, the story about the meat of poetry, which definitely also has both like sexual themes and creative themes and this, um, you know, the relationship between body and cosmos and, you know, um, what you were talking about before with the uh, energy from the base chakra to the, through the, the, the head chakra, crown chakra. the crown, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's some similar type of symbolism going on in that story, at least in Snodders Dotterson's yeah. version. So yeah, no, there's 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 a lot more out there, and you know, a bunch of ancient deities that we've also dug out that uh, that have relationships to to sexuality and and tons of them yeah. actually. There's so many; it's incredible. And and uh, and I actually wanted to discuss you with you as well, Matthias, about this whole thing about uh, the the relationship between male and female, because you know, obviously, once we start talking about sexuality and so on. We also have to start talk about gender. Yeah, absolutely. We have to talk about male and female energies, and I think that was very different from where uh, you know where you were and in what time we are also talking. And I think there's a lot of different things that are pointing towards that, uh, which is something we could get into as well. I would love to talk about that, but I think maybe we should bring Nana on as well and talk about these things as well, because she's actually doing really deep philosoph philosophical work in this. Yeah, <laughs> now she is. Yeah, writing a dissertation in it. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think we're we're like I think we're just shy of an hour and a half in now, so I think an idea to be if you're happy with it would be to kind of wrap this one up now, and then once you once your music is out, people can have a listen to it and then get you back on post release, and then as we speak about it, you can relay that back to how you've expressed it in the music, and I guess people can almost jump between listening to the podcast listening to the tracks and then we could you know we could speak about it like that and it for sure kinda, yeah 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 it allows people to listen 
I think this sounds like a brilliant idea. Yeah. No, I think I think that's a good idea actually. Um because I think there are definitely some 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 very amazing themes that that uh, that we could explore much much deeper and um and again like I said I mean at the end of the day it's 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 music it's an art project. Uh you know if people don't listen to this podcast and just hear it they they will be able to interpret it in, in in any way they want and that's the great thing about art. But yeah, I mean since this is something that's gone so much work into it I think it would be great to do that for sure. Yeah, I I think it would be special like you say people can interpret it themselves but it also adds that extra level when you hear the artist who's created it explaining why they've put things in and and especially with Mate with with the two of you here Mateus can explain the stories behind things and and you know the what's happened and it just adds that extra level to it I'd love to do that I think that's a great idea yeah for sure I agree well there we are then so do you want to just give a quick shout where people will be able to find it where people where, or even where people can follow you on social media and then they can obviously get the details on the release obviously we'll be sharing it anyway you can find me on instagram for now we're gonna do an ibala oh yeah so we should also maybe mention what the fuck the project i was actually thinking about that (laughs) 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 oh wait it's just a project whatever it's no name no no it's uh the 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 project is called nebala that's the name of the of the band or of the project of the music project and nebala is again one of these proto-norse words it basically means mist and uh, uh, it relates to the word niffel. Yeah, it's the same as as nipple in uh, in Nippelheimer uh, in Nippelhell. So these words that mean the underworld in in Norse mythology. Exactly. Yeah. So it's basically the 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 base chakra, you could say. Uh, that's what Nibala means. Um, and so yeah, the project is called Nibala. You can, we're gonna make a Nibala Instagram, Nibala Facebook. All that should be should be already ready to go. And uh, then you can find me on Instagram at Jonas Lawrence Music. And uh, other shout outs we could do. Uh, we had the, the, the Vizi, Vizi. It's like an, it's like an Oscar acceptance speech. <laughs> yeah, almost, yeah. Yeah. Thank you to Vizi. Thank you to, no, we'll, we'll do that at a later stage. Uh, but there, there was obviously some great musicians that came and helped, helped out to, uh, to put some stuff down on the on the on the album as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't listened to any of it yet, so you know, I'm really excited to to hear it and and share it, and hopefully, like I say, we'll get you back on and and go from there. And thank you to my and thank you to thank you to God and my mother. And... <laughs> hey, hey, I'd like to thank Odin and Thor. Uh, sorry, and Freya sorry. Thank you to Lord. the one true the one. <laughs> The one true God. The one true God. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jonas. It's, it's been wonderful again. It's been it's been great, guys. Really, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to doing uh, more stuff with you in the future. So are we. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.